Welcome to the 1909, your home with the state news for everything happening on campus and around Lansing. I'm Lily Gwinney. So this is our second to last episode of the 1909 for the school year. Wow. Um, We've come a long way since our humble beginnings in September. So today I'll be updating you on some big changes affecting MSU beginning this fall, a presidential candidate who's visiting campus, and a review of marijuana revenue policy in the city of East Lansing. So let's get into it. First up, the MSU Academic Calendar Task Force evaluated the fall and spring semester calendars in 2022 and will implement five permanent calendar changes affecting the start and end dates of the semester and spring break, according to an email from the Office of the Registrar. The calendar changes will take effect in fall of 2023. The fall 2023 semester classes will begin Monday, August 28th, as opposed to the previous Wednesday start date. There are no other changes to the fall calendar, but the email announced that the spring 2024 semester will contain one less instruction week than usual. Because of this, spring break, the end of classes, final exams, and commencements will all occur one week earlier. Spring break will be from February 26th to March 1st of 2024. Classes will end April 19th with final exams taking place April 22nd to April 26th. Finally, spring commencements will take place between April 22nd and April 28th. Michigan colleges and universities may be able to start selling alcohol on campus during football, basketball, and hockey games if a bipartisan group of lawmakers have their way. Senator Sean McCann of Kalamazoo introduced the bill to the Senate last Tuesday, April 11th. This is not the first time a bill permitting campus alcohol sales has been introduced, as former Senator Chris Hertel of East Lansing introduced a similar bill last session, but it was never taken up for a vote by the Senate. McCann said the the failures of past bills have not deterred him or the other sponsors in wanting to advance it again and give it another try. McCann said he can never speak to the prospects of a bill passing when it's advanced again in the Senate, but with extra time in this legislative session, not taken up by the midterm election season, they could get this bill to, quote, the finish line. I think it'll be an overall enhancement of the fan experience, McCann said. It's part of professional sporting events and is increasingly becoming a part of college events. We see it at a number of other university venues doing this already, and I think it's a change that's advancing across sports and entertainment. MSU Athletic Director Alan Haller was open to the idea of selling alcohol on game days to enrich the fan experience when it was introduced in the last legislative session. Haller did not believe that it would cause problems in venues and was hopeful that the Senate bill would pass. Associate Athletics Director Matt Larson declined to comment. In a press release... Representative Graham Filler of Clinton said the bill would promote safety and fairness on game days. Giving universities the option to serve alcohol at their sporting events is about freedom, fairness, and recognizing the responsible consumption of alcohol inside the stadium is much safer than the binge drinking that goes on in the parking lot, Filler said in a release. Filler is the sponsor of the House bill. McCann said he wants the bill to pass because he doesn't want to lose students to other state universities outside of Michigan due to game day experiences they could find elsewhere, looking to lead the pack and having, quote, great college experiences. The bill has now been referred to the Regulatory Affairs Committee, chaired by Senator Jeremy Moss of Southfield. Marianne Williamson, author and spiritual leader turned presidential candidate, will appear in a discussion event hosted on campus by the Michigan State University College Democrats on April 26th. The event will take place at 6.30 p.m., according to College Democrats President and International Relations Junior D.A. DeLaw. Williamson's appearance at MSU is the first in what the student group hopes will be a series of guest speakers during the 2024 election cycle. Williamson, who ran for the Democratic nomination for president in 2020 but dropped out to endorse Senator Bernie Sanders, launched her second campaign in March of 2023. 
In spite of Williamson's status as a long-shot candidate for the Democratic nomination, College Democrats executive board member and political theory junior Liam Ricicci said the student organization's members think the event will be valuable for any students and community members wanting to be more informed about candidates for public office. Regardless of whether or not she's going to win, it's still a great opportunity for everyone to get together and learn about her platform, Ricicci said. And you never know, it's super early in the cycle. A March poll placed Williamson's favorability ratings around 8% overall, but among voters under 25 years old, her approval rose to 18%. Ricicci said he hopes Williamson will address issues that matter to young people, something she's gained attention for on social media platforms like TikTok in recent months. A lot of the attendees of this event are going to be college students, he said. So it's important to kind of hit on the issues that are important to us. Student loan reform, what role we play in the economy after we graduate, where do we go from here, jobs. Those are all important things. In her campaign's infancy, Williamson has advocated for progressive policy stances, including student loan debt relief and anti-corruption measures. Early in the 2020 campaign cycle, Williamson faced criticism in the past for comments made regarding vaccines and antidepressants. College Democrats declined to comment on a Politico article from March in which 12 former campaign staffers accused Williamson of creating a toxic workplace environment in which they experienced, quote, emotional and verbal abuse. In an email to the state news, Ricci said that while the group invites many guest speakers to campus, it is not endorsing any candidate at this time. An RSVP form for the event is available on the MSU College Democrats' social media pages. So, MSU, you guys, we have a new student body president for next year. Social Relations and Policy Senior Emily Hayampa was elected student body president by the Associated Students of MSU at 11.20 on the night of April 18th. Hayampa is ASMSU's current Associate Vice President of Internal Administration, and she received praise during public, public comments at the beginning of the night. In a public comment statement, the registered student organization Students Demand Action said, It's clear Emily cares about her community, and she's great at connecting with those around her. Hayampa outlined her goals in the speech to the General Assembly, working on cohesion between the five different facets of ASMSU, and just bringing departments closer together, building strong relationships and having inclusivity in this environment, Hayampa said. She said she wants to hit the ground running. She said she knows there's a lot of advocacy points and a lot of different points of view and backgrounds, but that she wants to make sure everyone is heard and feels included in these conversations. On to some East Lansing news. As tax revenue from marijuana sales increases, the East Lansing City Council is reviewing how the money has been allocated in the past to advise how it will be used in the future, according to Mayor Pro Tem Jesse Gregg. When the city first opted into state licensing regulations that would allow the city to bring marijuana retailers into East Lansing, the council had to determine where the money from tax revenue on marijuana would be allocated. The state imposed a 10% excise tax on the sale of marijuana, of which the municipalities where the dispensaries are located receive a portion. Revenue generated from the distribution of the state excise tax would be added to the city's general fund by default. However, the city has allocated funds instead to the 45th district, 54th District Court, Greg said. A portion of East Lansing's allocated excise tax revenue was put towards the court for, quote, drug abuse counseling and treatment assistance for low-income and moderate-income citizens. Other parts of the tax were used to staff the court specialty treatment programs and facilitation of the assistance program, according to the Council's 2023 preliminary budget and fee schedule. Jesse Gregg said using the marijuana taxes to fund that program seemed appropriate. Gregg says this was an attempt by the City Council to acknowledge that the tax revenue has come from a source that is a formerly illegal substance, and that the persecution of marijuana crimes has disproportionately affected marginalized and low-income people. 
drug court was approved to use the funding to, quote, provide financial assistance for costs not covered through private insurance or entitlement programs, according to documents related to the funding. The allocation's purpose was to aid in securing assessments, testing, rehabilitative treatment, and other supportive programming designed to improve the quality of life for the recipient, their family, and their community, according to the policy resolution. I can see the courts being involved, just not in the way where the amount of revenue increases and then that increase just continues to go to the courts, Council Council Member Dana Watson said. Watson said as the revenue continues to grow, she's interested in other places for the funds to be allocated in addition to the courts. Rather than just kind of let that money disappear into the general fund, she's asking that we separate it out and that we treat it with a bit of dignity, Greg said. The city of Kalamazoo has enacted a marijuana social equity policy that allows a targeted focus on disproportionately impacted individuals and city neighborhoods and reduces barriers to entering the marijuana industry for Kalamazoo residents, as stated in the city commission's document. The policy calls for fee reductions of marijuana business permits, zoning code exceptions, and a use of of a portion of the business permit fee to educate residents who have been disproportionately impacted by marijuana prohibition in the past. Watson said she's exploring this type of framework for East Lansing, but does not yet have a proposal. Greg said the money has also been used to facilitate an expungement clinic in which individuals convicted with marijuana-related drug crimes were able to have their criminal record expunged, if not rescinded. It's still a polarizing thing since it used to be illegal and it still has a lot of connotations from being an illegal drug, Greg said. Due in part to the polarization caused by marijuana, retail, and use, Greg said special use permits are used by the city council to make sure that the city's zoning rules are respected and that marijuana businesses meet the standards of the council. The permits include regulation on where the plant can be grown, processed, or transported, and it's informed by both East Lansing and the state's licensing regulations. Greg said it's a way to create the opportunity for marijuana businesses to exist in town but without fully opening our entire town or the entire zoning district to that business. Following the highly publicized indictment and arraignment of former President Donald Trump on April 4th, legal experts and ordinary Americans alike have raised questions about what the criminal prosecution of a former president could mean. For the moment, though, there aren't a lot of concrete answers, according to two experts. Jordan Cash, a professor of political theory and constitutional democracy at MSU, said that people are correct to marvel at the indictment. It's completely unprecedented for a former president to be the subject of a criminal trial. Cash said that not only would a Trump trial have serious legal implications, but it could also have an outsized impact on the 2024 presidential election cycle. Cash said that it's not only a huge event for American legal and political history, but it's going to have very real implications on our electoral process, with the way that the likelihood that this will come to trial in the middle of next year's election cycle is pretty high. The contrast between Trump as an ex-president and Trump as a current candidate will likely complicate how a trial unfolds, and some have expressed concerns that Trump's political status could keep him from a fair trial. Brian Colt, an MSU law professor whose research includes structural constitutional law in relation to the presidency, said in an email to the state news that keeping politics out of the legal process in Trump's case would be impossible. Anything to do with the president is inherently automatically politicized, Colt said. Prosecuting Trump is a political act. Not prosecuting him would be a political act. Politics greatly complicates this whole process, but that's unavoidable. Trump's presence in American politics has already dominated news coverage of the indictment, from bird's-eye video of his private plane leaving Florida to turn himself into authorities in New York to analysis of his facial expressions during the arraignment. Cash said that a media environment devoted to speculation around the indictment and possible trial might not be helpful or conducive to keeping the process fair. 
Cash said, part of what the rule of law requires is to be dispassionate, to look at the facts, to look at what's going on separate from public political debates. He also noted that beliefs surrounding Trump's criminal activities are largely split along party lines, which he said can be harmful to the integrity of the legal process. As for how the court might go about keeping political discourse out of a trial, Colt said that will be a a challenge, and it will mostly come down to the jury that's selected. Colt said he's guessing that they'll use a larger-than-normal pool of potential jurors and be very careful about who they allow onto the jury, but he says he thinks it can be done. One of the most pervasive questions throughout the indictment and arraignment process has been whether prosecuting Trump or any former president would pose a threat to the constitutional powers of the presidency itself. Colton Cash both said holding former presidents to the standard of the law shouldn't have a great effect on the ability of future presidents to act while in office. Colt said that while it does constrain the presidency, it's a, quote, good and important thing. He said that having criminals in office diminishes the presidency. Allowing them to avoid accountability may help the individual, but it does harm, not good, to the institution of the presidency itself. Cash said that the Constitution's protections of presidential power are strong enough to withstand the prosecution of a former president. He said, the constitutional presidency's constitutional authority is going to be there, regardless of what happens to Donald Trump. Following the mass shooting on February 13th, Michigan State has developed a new Office for Student Support. The Office of Resource and Support Coordination is a new addition to the university modeled after similar concepts at different universities that have been through tragic events. The office's co-director, Dave Brewer, said our office will serve as a central point of contact for victims of the February 13th shooting, their families, and proximate witnesses. Brewer is working side-by-side with Natalie Moser to establish resources for those who were affected by the shooting. Some of these include community-building events between affected people and making them aware of other university resources. Brewer was formerly the director of building services for MSU's infrastructure planning and facilities and is a member of the University Emergency Operations. Moser is a current director of the MSU Psychological Clinic and a founder of MSU's Trauma Services and Training Network. The office will serve as a place to help provide trauma-informed guidance to different programs, activities, and policies directed towards February 13th. Moser said, we fully recognize that our entire community went through what she would call a community-based trauma and that everybody is impacted in different ways and at different points in their journey. Students will soon be able to go to a website in order to utilize some of these resources. For now, they can reach out to orsc at msu.edu for more support. So that is it for our news roundup today. Thanks for tuning in. Remember to catch us for one more episode next week on Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. Signing off from East Lansing, I'm Lily Gwinnie.